0: turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 1, we'll be looking at part 2 of our series entitled Without Excuse, focusing and centering on Romans 1 and 20, but going through this first chapter and looking at Paul's greeting to the church and then what happens next. Because that's important. That's what we're going to see. Last week, you know, we uh, read the first eight verses. So this week, let's go to Romans 1 and begin at verse 9. Scripture says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means now at length I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. To the end you may be established, that is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purpose to come unto you, but was let hitherto that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So here we have the next eight verses of Paul's greeting, of Paul's introduction to the church at Rome, to the people that were meeting, teaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. That's who he was talking to, the church. He wasn't writing to a building in Rome. He wasn't writing to a cathedral in Rome. He was writing to people in Rome. He was writing to the church over there. So we saw that the beginning last week. We saw his emphasis, what, on the authority of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, right? He, he proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. He proclaimed him as what? The Son of God. And yes, He used this very same authority that he proclaimed What that he was also as told about in the scriptures, as proclaimed by the prophets, Paul said. You see, he established that authority of Jesus Christ, who the person of Jesus Christ was. We talked about that. Some people say Jesus was a good man. Some people say he was a prophet. Some people say, you know, he he did really good things, but the Son of God, they, that's where they stop and draw the line. But what we have to see is Scripture teaches us clearly the authority of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Paul speaks of this same authority in his calling. He said, I'm an apostle. I've been called to be an apostle. Some people questioned whether Paul was actually uh, could claim that authority or not. But remember, he met Jesus himself face-to-face, didn't he? On the road to Damascus. Yes, he met Jesus. Jesus talked with him. Jesus called him. Jesus showed him many different things. I think that's one thing that probably a lot of people uh, are not clear about was just how much was revealed to Paul. Just how much was revealed to him. We think about, you know, John the Apostle. And we think about, you know, Jesus taking uh, appearing to him there on the Isle of Patmos and and giving him the revelation that was given to Jesus Christ. And we think about, you know, those things being revealed to him. But Paul, likewise, uh, was called up into the third heaven, as he called it. In other words, he saw many things which... Paul probably had a hard time relating to. It's like what he said. He said, some of these things that I saw are not lawful to speak of. And the reason I mention that is because once we get through this further introduction here at Paul today, when we get to next week, we're going to see, I think, one of those visions, one of those revelations given to him. Because when Paul starts talking when Paul starts uh, the writing of his letter and begins to speak to those over there, we're going to notice a marked change next week in the tone of his voice. So, Paul claimed this authority, but he continues on this week. Notice some of the things that he talks about this week as we continue his introduction. What does he say in verse 9 and 10? For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, And the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by any means now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. And you're like, Joey, this is an introduction to a church that he's coming to see. What in the world does this possibly have to do with me today? Well, if we look here and see, you know, it's not always about understanding what the writer is going through at the time of the writing of Scripture, but sometimes it's about understanding the attitude of the writer of Scripture. And I want you to notice what Paul, his attitude here in verses nine and ten. As a matter of fact, uh, through all the way through verse sixteen, in these uh, verse two verses right here, he reveals to us number one: the gospel of Christ is a spiritual endeavor you can't do anything connected to the gospel unless you've got the spirit of the living God in you. You can't do it. I mean, you can get up and you can read scripture, uh, you can act real holy and all such as that, but you can't accomplish anything spiritual unless you have the spirit of Christ in you. That's what Paul says. The Christian considers what? It a privilege to pray for other believers. Whoa, hold on just a second. A privilege to pray for other believers—you better believe it. Paul was compassionate. He was—he was, he was uh, serious about this. I long to pray for. I pray for you constantly. Did you know, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you will love other people so much that you'll want to pray for them? That's a fact. That's a fact. Notice what else Paul brings out: the Christian desires what to fellowship with other believers. Huh? Yes, the Christian desires to fellowship with other believers. Though we have, what, all the knowledge of, of Scripture, though we have uh, we're, uh, all the prophetic knowledge in the world, uh, though we can interpret and de and all such as of whatever the Scripture, if we don't have fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, what good is it? What in the world good is it? I could go to school and get 14 doctorates and and, and know the Bible forwards and backwards and all such as that, Uh, but if we're not meeting together to lift up one another, what good is it? What good is it? Not worth anything, is it? Paul goes on. Look what he says in verse 11. I think Paul loves his church. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. I long to see you, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. Notice here the attitude of Paul. Look at what Paul is saying. That I may impart unto you some spiritual gift. The gospel of Christ compels the believer, what? To earnestly seek the spiritual growth of other believers. Joy, you're talking a lot about doing for other people. There you go. You got it. You got it. That's exactly what Paul was talking about. That's exactly what he was getting at. That's the attitude that's revealed to us in his introduction to the church at Rome. He wasn't writing them and saying, look, I am a venerated rabbi of the school of Gamaliel. You shall adhere to my word. No, no, no. No, he was saying, I've seen Jesus. I have seen Jesus. I've met him face to face. Uh, I know what he wants me to do. And I'm praying for you, church. I'm praying for you, people. That's what he was saying. The gospel of Christ compels the believer to earnestly seek the spiritual growth of other believers. Exactly. It ain't all about me. It ain't even a little bit about me. It ain't even none about me. It's all about Him. If it ain't focused and centered on Jesus Christ, we don't need it in our lives. And we sure don't need it in our assembly. It's got to be about him. All about him. This is what Paul was getting at. He loved this church. Notice this what he says in verse 12. That is, that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. That I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Know that. The true believer will rightly discern the strength that is gained spiritually through the mutual faith of those within the body of Christ. The true believer. The true believer. Rightly discern the spiritual strength. What Paul say, I am comforted. Comforted. Strengthened. Encouraged, emboldened, through what? The mutual faith of all of us within the body of Christ. It's not about my growth. It's not about your growth. It's not about our growth. It's about His growth. The body of Christ. Once again, it all comes around. It all comes into focus. This is what Paul is saying. Look, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about lifting him up. You see, in this time, in this age that we live in, in which we'll get to that in just a minute, we have one calling. We have one charge. That is what? Go. Teach. Make disciples. Go. Teach, make disciples. We're not called to make this world a perfect place. Lord knows we can't do that. We're not called to do that. We're not called to change things uh, by laws or by governments. But what we are called to do is to live a life emboldened with the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that others can look and see that in us. So that others can look and see. They can see in our eyes uh, when terror, uh, when uh, trials come upon us, uh, when pain strikes. And they can look in our face and say, how are they able to stand in this time? Because what? They'll be able to see in us that strength that Paul's talking about. The true believer really understands that. The strength that when your faith grows guess what? Our faith grows. When we encourage one another, when we strengthen one another, guess what? We strengthen our own selves. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so guess what? When I'm out here tearing you down, backbiting on you, stabbing you in the back, guess what? I'm doing it to myself. I'm doing it to myself too because this is about the body of Christ. Christ. It's about lifting him up to a lost and a dying world. Paul went on in verses 13 through 15. He said, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren. Proof that he was writing to Baptists. Y'all still awake out there? (laughs) I (laughs) would try to hurt your feelings. Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, a little reference to his leadership of the Holy Spirit, We might add that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greek and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as it is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. Notice this attitude that we have here from Paul. The true believer in Christ fully comprehends what? That they are servants to all. Servants to all. Not just uh, the ones you pick out. Not just the ones you congregate with. All those who are believers in Jesus Christ. All those who are of his fold. We are called to fulfill the great commission in this age that you and I live in. This age that began when Jesus Christ, well, he was already risen, but when the angels rode the stone away, And he walked right out there where everybody else could see him. That age began there. When he went over there and breathed on the uh, disciples and they received the Holy Spirit, they were converted, as he told Peter earlier. says, when you are converted, then you'll tell the brothers about this. You'll understand what I'm talking about. Then when that age began, that's when Jesus said, Go, teach, make disciples. That's what he said. He said, listen, guys, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house or what? Many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And guess what? If I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back. I'm coming again. And you see, this is the age that we live in. We have been left with a charge to go and make disciples. To not be troubled. To not be uh, in disarray because our Savior is coming back. He's coming back to get us. He told us that. Don't be troubled. I'm coming back. But until I do, teach, (laughs) preach, make disciples. That's it. That's what we've been charged to do. Paul, in his introduction to the church at Rome, and you say, why, Joey, would you spend two weeks on the introduction? Because we, and and I hate to. this is like what uh, Hollywood, isn't it? It's like, tune in next week and you'll find out the big conclusion, the big finale. But no, we have to see the attitude of Paul and who he's talking to when we see uh, what uh, turns around next week, how it turns around. Notice what? Paul says there in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Church, what kind of attitude are we supposed to have? The true believer is unashamedly devoted to the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It is our most cherished privilege To serve the one that has redeemed us. It is our privilege. It is our honor to serve Him. I am His servant. And by being His servant, that makes me your servant. What do you need? What is the need in your life? I'm praying for you. Because your growth, your faith, your strength is mine. And if we separate ourselves from one another, we become what we see out in the world today. A fractured body of Christ. A fractured church. A fractured organization of man, if you will, that has pieces all over the place. When Jesus is saying, look, church, you've got to come together. You've got to be one. Because when you're one, guess what? I'm strengthened. I'm glorified. I'm lifted up. And he said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, all mankind unto me. You see, that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what Paul was getting at as he was writing this letter over there to the church, as he was letting us see. You see, the true believer will never be content with our own salvation. But we will actively seek what that all may know Christ. All. Regardless of class or station in life, whatever, Paul says, look, I've been saved by the gospel of Jesus. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of salvation the gospel of Christ the power of salvation think about that church the people that matter to you the most in life the people that you love more than anything that you desire the best in life for that you would do anything for How could you withhold from them the greatest power that has ever been given to mankind? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Christ is the power of salvation. And you see, salvation is the only thing that matters to mankind today. All right? I could give you all the money in the world right now. I could write you a check, which it would bounce if I wrote it, but you get the idea. I could give you the key to Fort Knox. I could give you the keys to Wall Street. I could give you the key to every oil well over in the Middle East right now. You would be filthy rich. You would have everything you've ever wanted or desired monetarily. But when you die and you don't know Jesus Christ, that does you no good. There is no power in that money. I could exalt you to the seat of the White House of the United States of America. I could put you on the throne of the presidency. You would be over the most powerful nation on earth. But when you die, it does you no good. There is no power in in the power of the presidency of the United States. I could set you up as the leader of the United Nations. I could put you in charge of all of the, the programs uh, that's going on all over the earth. Uh, you would have unlimited power. You would be unknown throughout the world. But when you die, you would have nothing. There's no power. There's no power in that office. I could send you out to Hollywood put you on TV, put you in films, put you in pictures. They'd even make a video game about you. You would be known throughout the world. You might could sing and dance. You might could play some sport. Uh, You would be known by everybody, loved by everyone, unable to walk down the street because you're so famous. But when you die, guess what? No good. There's no power in that. Where's the power at? Where is the power of salvation? It's in none of those things. It's only in one place, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Guess what, church? We got it. (laughs) We got it. We got it. And if I see somebody uh, that needs this in this life, and I turn my back and say, "Nope, I don't have time for you. You're not the same as me. We're not the same color. We're not the same nationality. We speak different languages. I don't have time for you. Then I do not truly have the love of God in me. Because when you do, you realize. We're all, humanity's all in that same boat. We're all sitting there in the drain, fixing to go down. And there's only one rescue. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Brother Mayo, come with a verse of a song. This is our invitation today. That if you need to know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you've never accepted Him. Never believed. And we take special care to tell you Every time we give an invitation, exactly what that means. The gospel as defined by Paul is believing that Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose from the dead according to the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 or 15, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 3 and 4 explains the gospel and believing that. And he says, you believe this, you will be saved. It's like Romans 10. With the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a belief in Jesus Christ and all that he did according to the scriptures. Not believing Jesus was a good man or a good teacher, but believing that he is the son of the living God. That he died for our sins and that all of this is foretold here. That all of this is explained here in the scriptures. If you need to do that this morning, there's no better time to take care of that than right now. Okay? So as we sing this song, as you listen to these words, if it's time for you to make a decision, we pray that you would choose now to make that decision for the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.